Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of At War, a podcast by the Conflict Law Center. Today, we have with us Director of Policy and Research, Shamaila Khan from Digital Rights Foundation, and Noor Vahid, Senior Research Associate from the Digital Rights Foundation as well. And we're going to be talking about an issue which is very, very current these days, which is social media and its link with um, conflict and war generally. So I talk about social media all of the time because I got off it earlier this year. And all I keep on telling people is that it's incredibly morally corrosive. It's the worst thing. It's the best thing I've ever done is getting off it. Um, but looking at it in the context of armed conflict, social media has expanded and developed so rapidly in the last 20 years. And we're seeing right now with the Russia invasion of Ukraine that it's being called the, the world's first TikTok war, which is that you know users are spreading information in real time on that platform, especially because it's the only one that the Russians haven't really blocked. Um, so is social media really as revolutionary as big tech likes to claim it is? Because it, you know, even with the Arab Spring, they kept on talking about this being a social media revolution, Twitter revolution, Facebook revolution, that type of thing. Or is it not as powerful as it claims to be in terms of like, do we really just need analog real world events and it can't compare to what's happening in cyberspace? How important is it? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think It is incredibly powerful, uh, but it's not the kind of powerful that a lot of tech companies and governments claim that it is. And I think it has to do with the fact that there is this false sense of hope or sort of optimism that this is something that both either the tech companies or state uh, member states can contain or sort mm. of fully understand the nuances of. And I think that's the kind of... issue that has actually led to a lot of conflict because either there is an overestimation of its power or an okay. underestimation at times. So I think it sort of depends on the context. Uh, so when uh, the Arab Spring happened, uh, I thought it was sort of that reading of it as sort of solely being led by social media was a bit uh, patronizing to yeah. sort of the kind of organizing mm. that had happened because social media is a part of it. Uh, but in, there's obviously a larger sort of socio-political background. So I think there, there was an overemphasis on the role of social media there. But when it comes to other sort of uh, spaces where uh, social media has had a, a, a disproportionate or outsized uh, sort of uh, hand in um, perpetuating the conflict or uh, flaming sort of hatred or against a particular ethnicity, and we'll talk about like specific examples as well, but uh, over there, there's been an over uh, underestimation or I think platforms have fail to take responsibility for how much sort of the platform is perpetuating mm. that kind of violence. Um, so there's always a misunderstanding and I think it all also has to do with who the people are being affected are because when it comes to, for example, uh, Ukraine, social media companies were very quick to respond. There was um, cons yeah. very concerted effort. Uh, policies were temporarily sort of changed mm. in light of the context. So for example, Meta said that um, a, uh, anybody sort of even threatening violence, for example, statements such as, you know, um, kill Putin or, or like sort of mm. death to Putin would be completely allowed on the platform, which normally these kinds oh, of really? statements are not. Okay. So uh, that mm. kind of 
and that is the kind of double standard that a lot of definitely uh, uh, yeah. countries also talked about because when it came to for example uh, the taliban takeover in afghanistan there were a lot of issues for example we uh, we were in touch with journalists uh, uh, journalists who had their accounts suspended because the kind of approach that meta took was that any conversation regarding the taliban would uh, was not allowed despite the fact that it might be um if people or local journalists uh, actually condemning or sort of talking about the atrocities of the Taliban uh, in order to sort of bring to light uh, those things and wait so, so even that wasn't allowed unless it was newsworthy and but, newsworthy, they, okay. but even then they failed to identify yeah. when it was newsworthy so for example meta was entertaining uh, cases uh, where they had to where they took down content uh where people had talked about like oh the Taliban took over Afghanistan and mm. they flagged that content as like violating their dangerous organizations and individual standard because they okay. talked because they mentioned simply by mentioning Taliban right so right, i right. mean but of course mm. you're not glorifying them or you know like speaking in favor of them or anything but just by mentioning them automatically their their algorithm mm. just took it and off. often okay. these, these were instances of people condemning it and actually yeah. grassroots people so for example Dawn, which is sort of a verified organization, can talk about the Taliban, but the line between sort of journalists, obviously, is so uh, mm. thin now that uh, you can't just have news organizations talking about a particular yeah. issue. You have to allow for that space. So that that was a very like sort of uh, unnuanced, heavy-handed mm. sort of way of dealing with that conflict. And when it came to Ukraine, because there was so much pressure. uh they clearly they had more people sort of thinking about this more experts who were thinking about this and that led to a much more nuanced policy there where it, uh, it comes to any other conflict you don't see that kind of and you see mm. that in Myanmar as well uh the uh, yeah. what happened yeah. Yeah. and yeah. i i think at one point when uh sort of the uh facebook was being sort of used for sort of genocidal uh hate speech uh i i think they only had two a uh, local uh, language content uh some moderator okay okay uh, i think this was around like 2014 15 so very very recent uh and civil society in myanmar was sort of had it, it uh it, it were screaming themselves hoarse mm. sort of talking about this issue but at that point there wasn't any kind of like sort of yeah so for me it kind of comes down to three entities which use social media so it's the state which yeah. kind of ha- you know wants to retain a kind of monopoly on the use of it and so you know wants to stop it like russia I, it took off facebook i think it took off twitter or blocked a lot of Let twitter and then it, yeah, yeah yeah and then people were using proxy sites but it allowed tiktok because obviously china is you know um kind of uh in cahoots with them in terms of not condemning their actions right now and then you have the role of big tech and what that does so for me the idea that they're allowed now to say kill putin and you're changing your rules according to that how how is that nuance how is that allowed when you're not allowing in other ways and even when it comes to the taliban why can't you go on twitter and say that you support the taliban or that you support what they're doing right now they're officially the de facto i mean they're de facto the state right and they want which is what i just keep on going back to 20 years you were there uh you tried to do whatever you could even then the kind of things that the US was responsible for in terms of giving warlords viagra mm-hmm. uh knowing that they were going and using that viagra to rape uh young boys just so that they would be uh you know allied with the allies at that mm-hmm. point it's just 
I'm like, how, who decides in big tech? Why should we allow them to decide? And then the third prong, which I want to go on to later when we talk about ISIS, is non-state actors and their use of social media. But when it comes to Facebook, when it comes to Twitter, when it comes to Meta, I'm like, these are inherently for me evil companies. And I want you guys to talk a bit more about what, ha- what happened in Myanmar, what happened with the Rohingyas. And even when it comes down to it, the people who are doing the content moderation are paid I think I read a dollar a day and they're watching all of these horrible, horrible videos of beheadings of, you know, things that you wouldn't really, really want to watch. And apparently they have trauma from that and stuff. Um, And those are the people who are moderating the content for these agencies. And I just think the entire system is completely flawed. So when when Facebook then comes out and says that it has policy, also because they're watching us all of the time. One of the reasons I got on social media was because <laughs> I was reading reports about how Instagram actually would turn on your front camera to watch you. And Facebook kept on getting sued in American courts for allowing that to happen. So I'm like, how much power do we give big tech in moderating this content? Who is watching the watchers? <laughs> that like, is basically so, the question. Uh, so I, I guess the the primary problem with uh, how do we, why do we let uh, social media companies decide what gets to be on the platform? Why can you not get away with supporting the Taliban or saying like certain things, even if they won? Yeah, um, it's because I mean ultimately this is the public-private distinction, right? Facebook mm-hmm. is not, or Meta is not a government, right? It's not a state. It's not the UN. It is not. It doesn't have. It technically doesn't have any real you know, legal obligation to protect those rights because it is just a private entity. Any more so than like a nuclear uh, weapons manufacturer has a moral uh, okay. obligation to like not... So it just cares about its bottom line. So it, it care at, but now here's the, but here's the interesting thing though, right? Because the bottom line depends on people being able to use that platform, feeling safe and not being like victim to all these mm. crimes. So if you were uh, going to like get traumatized by using Facebook because you saw an ISIS beheading or you saw like child pornography or something, then people wouldn't want to be on the, on the right. platform. They would boycott it. And then uh, like Facebook is a free service, right? Like they make their money through ad revenue. So for that has certain implications for them, which puts a, a monetary incentive on them to uphold certain human rights standards. Mm. Also because then governments also have the uh, then onus to boycott them, ban them because they're like, well, you know, you're letting child pornography and like copyrighted content and a lot of like vile shit uh, you know, kind of uh, perpetuate on your platform, so we cannot, we can't let you function. Even if you are a company, you are providing a service. We are not going to allow your service to run in this country. Mm-hmm. And as we've seen in a lot of cases in Pakistan, in Europe, in um, Australia, in a lot of places, they in Russia, they have the option. The government yeah. has the power to ban these platforms. So ultimately, this is destructive for their bottom line. So that does yeah. give them yeah. that onus to do better in terms of human rights. It is interesting because then the st- you're saying that the state. Does does have that sense of oversight over what big tech Slightly. does in some way. In some but way, yeah. when the YouTube ban was on in Pakistan, everyone was watching YouTube by proxy or, you know, they would download. There is really no way to stop social media now. But it's there, so but big. There is, because here's the thing. Uh, we benefited people who were accessing these websites like illegally uh, without the consent of the state, so to speak, uh, because there was a sort of lack of digital literacy. Right. So previously, VPNs or like mm. using LimeWire to pirate software, like uh, governments did not know about these 
you know, services. Yeah. They were very, they were niche comparatively. They were open to a younger generation of people. But then progressively, as this information became more and more mainstream, um, you know, governments became aware of them and they were like, oh, this is something that needs to be controlled. So like okay. with VPNs, like the government of Pakistan, yeah. they are presently in the process of having mm. VPNs registered. Mm. So the, what makes VPN so special, which is like the power to be anonymous, the power to uh, override certain government restrictions, like that power is effectively being like curtailed by the government. Yeah. Because now they're aware of it. Like, yeah. I mean, back then... And even with the Gulf, what, with what it does with WhatsApp and Signal exactly. and Telegram. Also, yeah. like, sort of, it, your ability to use a VPN depends on how much bandwidth you have. So mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're someone who doesn't have, has poor uh, connectivity anyway, yeah. um, you, you won't be able to, able to use, use it anyway, yeah. anyway because yeah. it slows down the internet uh, for you. So I think that it does significantly impact. And I okay. think uh, platforms, act, just to add to what Noor is also saying, is that uh, there's also something that isn't spoken up, uh, spoken about a lot is that there's a, a fair bit of sort of um, data sharing and sort of give and take between states and, and uh, private, uh, private companies mm. as well. For example, we know that uh, the Israeli government has had a lot of leeway with a lot of social media companies right. with regards yeah. to sort of removing content. They were backdoor meetings. Mm. Uh, but, and if you're a state that doesn't have that kind of financial or sort of political right. uh, clout, then you won't be so we saw for example in india that a lot of content yeah. for example uh, the head of uh, actually meta in india had to be sort of uh, had to resign ultimately after uh, whistleblowers uh, spoke about this but because they were sort okay. of leveraging sort of content by the bjp and hateful oh, content really? uh, so wow. there was a lot of like sort of political influence being yeah uh, and even hated. the way they curtailed the use of the internet in kashmir especially absolutely. during the covid absolutely. and you know doctors were like we can't download any medical guidelines like yeah. we need to and we just don't have the internet yeah, to do so that there's, yeah. uh, I, and i think there's a fear but to be sort of that debate needs to it's not as clear cut like because mm. we're always given this kind of binary between either the company or the state yeah and here in pakistan i think we err on the side of like sort of the company mm. taking those decisions mm. because we're a lot less sort of comfortable at times with the government because yeah. there's sort of that immediacy where as with the company there might uh, might be some safeguards and checks and balances for example a lot of private companies do now submit themselves to some sort of uh, oversight Side, for yeah. example they uh, facebook uh, meta has the oversight board, board where mm-hmm. its decisions are binding the ambit of the oversight board is quite sort of limited and it's only limited to for example content moderation uh, decisions not sort of regarding data privacy which is mm-hmm. where the board actual profit are not meta people which is the yeah, most important it's independent. Thing. where yeah. are they from they're, they're journalists professors people mm-hmm. who would have academics who would have uh, topical knowledge over the content in question. Yeah. So, okay. And, okay. But there are also like other sort of, and for example, the GNI principles is something that what uh, is a that? lot of companies, there is sort of these general sort of, uh, I've forgotten the acronym actually, yeah. like, uh, they bound, they, these are voluntary principles that a lot of all major tech platforms have signed themselves up for. So the UN guiding principles on business and human rights. Yeah, those are also, and the, so these are these kind of frameworks where companies sort of voluntarily submit themselves to but they're entirely toothless yeah but for example the GNI principles or sort of uh, they have led to strides in somewhat of transparency so the transparency uh, Mm. reports that these companies they're still not enough and that's something that we decide them on because even when I read the BHR guidelines I was like this is entirely (laughs) pointless but 
And also, like, it's kind of a whitewashing as well because yeah. it's like corporations will sign up to them and be like, oh, look, we're so human rights friendly. And it's like ExxonMobil, like, <laughs> really? Are you? You're going and, you know, like killing people in Indonesia. <laughs> you can say that about any international but, but also, I mean, that's true, but it's like, for me, the. <laughs> yeah, for, for me, I'm just like. For big tech is definitely, definitely evil in in such yeah. an insidious way that when you look at 1984 and when you read 1984 and you think about what an Orwellian state would be like, you think about it as something which is not insidious in the way that we have it right now, right? It's like something which is in your face, it's glaring, you know that you're in a fascist state. But I think that the way social media goes about it is that you're so tethered to your smartphone. I even, you know, my parents, like when they're reading WhatsApp forwards, like there is so much disinformation going around. But at the same time, the the democratizing element of the internet is still present, right? I mean, when you see TikTok and when you see some mazdoor in Balochistan getting like millions of followers, you're just like, wow, this is the most amazing thing about social media. And then you look at, especially Generation Z, I mean, I don't stop talking about it, but these smartphone-tethered Zoomers, their rates of anxiety, their rates of depression, everything is just skyrocketed. The minute you allow people to upload photos and get rated for them when they're a teenager, like, you know, it's just not something that I will... All they care about is having a captive audience. And for that the ways in which we have become yeah in the ways the ways in which we've become a captive audience are so much more insidious than what we thought it would be like under a fascist state i think there's sort of we haven't really caught up to the fact and our legal systems and regulatory systems sort of you're absolutely right about like you uh, you and you uh sort of human rights principles regarding like companies because they're still sort of assuming that the model of uh, making profits is the same for example you know sort of there'll be sweatshops and you know yeah. um, if we can yeah. sort of uh, make that supply chain fairer whereas we're in a completely different sort of economic system now with some people call like surveillance mm. capitalism where yeah. the ways in which data is being extracted and the ways in which our daily lives are being monetized mm. needs, yeah exactly and is not being um, sort of reflected in the kind of sort of um, regulatory mechanisms. So we're trying to apply sort of those same regulatory mechanisms, which work at times, for example, yeah. demands for transparency are very important. And we need more, for example, if you read like Facebook's uh, a transparency report six years ago, and now there's a lot more information that you get, for yeah. example, mm. in terms of state requests and things like that. But you, we still don't know what kind of state requests, right, what kind right. of negotiations were happening, um, how are algorithms taking decisions in terms of content moderation, um, how are algorithms extracting data. But uh, so I think sort of perhaps some of the regulatory mechanisms in, uh, and I don't want it to be like sort of very Western centric, but I think there's a lot we need to look towards a little bit towards Europe more than the US because, yeah. okay. for example, G- the GDPR does more than any other mm. sort of legislation, and uh, especially in like sort of the Western world. And uh, for example, the new um, 
uh, other rules that are coming out against like sort of AI regulation of uh, artificial intelligence needs to be sort of explored. The mm. problem with these kind of frameworks is that they're very Western centric, yeah. and they uh, and obviously there is this Brussels effect where whatever happens right. in the EU, EU has to be adopted like sort of worldwide, and mm. more so with internet regulation because there's a uniformity. Like you said, it's very difficult to sort of control those data. Yeah. But we really need to, like for example, the Digital Services Act, which I think uh, was. Uh, 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 probably last week is where like it, it became effective, which has a lot of safeguards regarding like human rights audits mm. that companies need to do. So a lot of these reports that are coming out, for example, regarding Myanmar or uh, a f- couple of weeks ago regarding sort of Palestine and Israel, yeah. where yeah. Uh, there was an independent audit of Meta's language, sort of uh, Hebrew and sort of Arabic um, content moderation within the region, mm. and it was sort of. Uh, found that there was indirect discrimination that was oh, happening. Okay. Yeah. So can you tell me a bit more about that? Like as in Myanmar and what's happening in Israel, Palestine? Yeah, I can. Also, and you can also add. Sorry, I'm stopping. No, no, no. Please, please, please. Like Shmaila has like literally <laughs> nearly a decade yeah. of experience in this industry. But we, uh, for example, in Myanmar, the. Facebook. Uh, so Facebook recently there were a series of reports. Uh, Meta put out its human rights uh, report, Report, which Mm. was heavily criticized because it didn't give you enough information. But it did sort of talk about specifically human rights audits in India and Myanmar. Mm. And the Indian audit was there was a lot of uh, smoke and mirrors. But with Myanmar, there was finally an acceptance of responsibility where. It it was because what happened in Myanmar was that they they went from like zero connectivity to like almost hundred percent. Oh really? Okay. And because of the way sort of the internet evolved, Facebook became the default mm. internet. Like sort yeah. of people. But that's because you get it for free. Exactly. It's like even in Pakistan, you get free Facebook basic. for free. Yeah, exactly. So you're providing, and this is why I always like have this question when. People who work at Facebook are all like, "Oh, there is a right to use the internet. There's a human right to the internet." Yeah. And I'm like, "Of course there is, mm-hmm. because that just serves your bottom line. You're mm-hmm. giving, and especially in developing countries, like yeah. I remember seeing the billboards, right? And it was that use internet for free. You get Facebook for free. And in the US, for example, they're lobbying for free at sort of uh, net neutrality, yeah, but they're yeah. doing the right, opposite in right. the rest of the world. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, hypocrisy there. As yeah, well, completely. Facebook was putting in so much money for lobbying for net neutrality. Mm. because it served their purpose there but here mm. you have this like sort of pioneering program in Myanmar it's sort of but and at the same time when there was a, and connectivity also sort of when it's gradual it's a lot more normal when you pump in the internet yes. yeah. without any sort of regard for it, yeah, exactly. or like mm. giving them the tools to like this uh, distinguish between say disinformation misinformation Absolutely. the dangers of the well product because Facebook does call its mm. platforms the product Right, oh, like okay, if you read okay. their um, hmm. audit report, it does call hmm. it a product. So business, yeah. It is exactly right. Those can there's little risks, hey? but like they never. But the ordinary people, they don't know. They don't know what these risks are. They're just told, right, like, "Here, here's right. some crack." Uh, <laughs> and it's actually you. apparently like crack, like absolutely. being on social it, it media, like the dopamine hits. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And also because I, I read. I've been doing a lot of reading about social media to, you know, like to, to quite a, the fact that you're not on social, not on social media. media. I've read all about it. It's like because half the time you go on it and you don't enjoy what you get. So apparently when you give a rat dopamine every time, like when it pushes the lever and it gets that, it knows that it's getting it every time. But when it's a mixed bag, it's obsessed because sometimes it gets the dopamine hit, sometimes it doesn't. That's why you keep That's, on uh, checking yeah. again and again because you don't know whether you're going to get the yeah, hit. It's so not. much and more addictive. Yeah. yeah. 
Like when people talk about it being a slot machine in your pocket, I'm like, it's 100% like <laughs> and that. That's, yeah, and withdraw symptoms is like, yeah, you know, like people yeah, get yeah. like social media Completely. Um, but when you're talking about digital literacy, what do you mean? So digital literacy, I mean, one in Pakistan, I guess if you're talking specifically in Pakistan's context, it is one linked with actual very literal literacy. Because mm. if you cannot read, yeah. like, it is obviously a lot harder to be active on the internet. But I thought that's the amazing thing with voices. With, exactly. Yeah, because I was like, that's to that. Uh, because uh, the, the, the visual nature, because I mean, voice note, it's a mic, right? Like these yeah. symbols are basically broadcasted to mm. us all the time that you can identify like, oh, this is a mic. And every platform, if you've noticed, every platform uses the exact same symbol mm. for everything. So the message symbol is the same. If it's a bubble, it's a message. If it's a right, little right, Mikey right. thing, mm-hmm. there are different types of mics, right? Like we, but no. it's always the same symbol because obviously they have that visual connected like association with people who are not literate, right? So mm-hmm. like you said on WhatsApp, Vagera, like uh, why is WhatsApp so popular in a country like Pakistan? Because you don't even need to have basic literacy yeah. to use voice notes. But yeah. like, um, but digital literacy caters to issues like, for example, we had like a consultation recently in which people brought up like oh you know like people in my community um you know they, they don't have the highest literacy but they're like oh people in my community they've been getting messages from like a bank saying that if yes. you send me your pin you will get or like yeah, yeah. your income yeah. support system is going to give you twelve thousand rupees mm. if you give me your bank account number yeah. and your like pin and your email yeah. address and, and your phone number and these people fall for it yes right? yeah so i know people know? who've fallen for it and it's like oh please send me like one thousand then it's two thousand and it's three thousand and they're sending more because they're anticipating that they're going to get a windfall exactly um, exactly yeah. so like you know so digital literacy basically guards against like those mm-hmm. skills so like you know knowing that like phishing is a thing right like no Knowing that people can scam you, knowing that you should never yeah. like convey this type of information to someone, knowing mm. that like the information that you're sending yeah. from one platform to another is not encrypted, not always encrypted, it's not always right. secure, and there right. is a third party, whether that is a server, whether mm. that is a, the cloud, whether that's your internet service provider, mm. whether that's the government, that they have access to this information, so it's okay. not as one-on-one yes. as if it yeah, were yeah. if I told someone a secret or gave mm. them a physical note and that note was destroyed. Yeah. Right? So digital literacy basically, you know, um, gives people the information and gives them the awareness that if you're going to use a product, these are the dangers that are associated with okay. it. And these are, like, and how, and how people can lie, right? Yeah. I feel like culturally, we have this thing, like, where if you see something in print, it has legitimacy, mm. right? Because before this particular era, anything that you saw in print, it was hard to get things in print, mm. right? Now, anything can be in print. Yeah. You can be your own yeah. publisher. And that is what tweets do. That is what Facebook does. That yeah. is what these media yeah. yeah. For example, do. don't know basic reporting, like sort of mm. how to report on the platform. Like a lot of times things can be sort of harmful content can be removed just if you know how to report mm. it to the particular platform. But they can't even identify yeah. if it's harmful, right? They can't I mean, tell that's if like, a, a picture um, is photoshopped exactly. or doctored. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Pakistan, yeah. Meta recently sort of published, a, 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 I don't know if it was published but shared with us that Pakistan, Afghanistan and I think India uh, account for 80% of sort of sharing of child pornography in oh the world. Oh, God. Okay. And uh, I think Bangladesh was probably mm. also, like, I, I'm it, it's sort of blanking on the particular countries, but it was South Asia in particular. And the issue was not that there is a propensity for sharing uh, uh, child pornography. People would, for example, share child pornography not knowing, for example, just to raise an issue, like, look oh, at this. Oh, right. Uh, unknowingly. Right, right. Okay, not okay, knowing okay. that 
this also violates the mm. and this also violates the dignity of the child because every time you share it it's a re-traumatization so all of the and a lot of people for example re- last year there was a spate of like suspensions of very high profile accounts as well because there was a case where this uh, a child uh, who had sort of uploaded a video uh, himself uh, sort of because he was sort of being molested in a madrasa mm. but he, there was no there wasn't that digital literacy to sort of for other people to say right, like, you right, know, right. if we're raising this issue as like yeah. oh, this is wrong we shouldn't be sharing the content or okay. we should be sharing it in a way that doesn't uh, it constitute a sharing of uh, mm. uh, child pornography because uh, and their accounts got suspended right, and, right. Um, so that kind of basic uh, safety measures I think is also sort of really mm. missing and like so going back to the Rohingya Muslim thing mm. right like another thing is like a, a Facebook and Meta, these social media apps, they're such a unique product. It's not a product that stays static, right? Mm. And stays takes on just one form. It varies according to the geographical context, mm. right? So what Facebook's platforms or Meta's platforms are in Pakistan is very different from the way it's used, the way it's consumed, the way people react to it, the way people, what people know about it in other countries, right? Okay. So in the Rohingya Muslim case, for example, the, the this is where... There's a shortcoming on part of social media companies, in parts of governments, in part of the user. Mm. And that is that they don't know what to do if something is in a different cultural context. Okay. At the end of the day, these are American companies that are selling a product that is variable and varies according to whatever culture or context mm. it is injected into. Yeah. So with the Rohingya Muslim case particularly, one of the shortcomings that Meta themselves acknowledged was that there was a language barrier, mm-hmm. right? And there are certain words, and I remember we were having this conversation the other day as well, where um, there are some words, like where do you draw the line, right? Because mm-hmm. there are some words that are slurs, but mm-hmm. they also have very benign meanings in like right. a real language. So yeah. one of the yeah. words that people in Myanmar were using against the Muslims was like, oh, I've forgotten the word, I think it's kalar, mm-hmm. which is both a slur for Muslim, but it also just literally means chickpeas. Okay. So like how right, does right. so how do you flag mm. that kind of content? And like Shamila mentioned, like prior to um like in twenty fourteen and prior to all this happening and coming out, um they only had like two mm. human content moderators mm. and like you can imagine the volume yeah. of, of information yeah, that they yeah. have to see through, right? And mm. like how do you know like, you know, is this benign? Do they, mm. Is this just like your mother's chickpea <laughs> recipe? Like, <laughs> like do you want to make yeah. this? Like how do you decide that? Right? Do I yeah. sort of for example, in Pakistan, a lot of people who are typing are probably not using the Urdu or Arabic yeah. script. They're using uh, English, English scripts mm. to talk about. And every the spelling variations are... We were trying to do a research on sort of Farsi and uh, uh, Pashto and sort of Dari. content moderation and, uh, and uh, Dari. And we were looking at like sort of uh, how certain words were not being flagged. And our researchers came back to us and they're like, you need to define those words for us because there th- there are like 10 different ways to spell a different word just okay. in Roman right, and right, in English. Right. And uh, it, it sort of opened up. And if you don't have local language experts, if you yeah. don't have local sort of experts, researchers, academics in every context, and it sort of, for example, if like a company is to relocate to Pakistan, they would have like, a, for example, like a dedicated team here. But mm. Facebook can be used anywhere. They don't have to have any dedicated staff anywhere in the world. So right, uh, yeah. And, yeah. And you have to really push these companies. Like for example, mm. Pakistan didn't have like, uh, with a lot of companies, it still doesn't have a policy head. 
uh, mm-hmm. dedicated to Pakistan. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't know who to talk to. Uh, there's no one sort of thinking about these issues. For example, we have elections coming up next year. Mm-hmm. Are, what are these companies doing? Or do they have a dedicated self? Like okay. uh, in, yeah. the, in the US or when it comes to uh, Brazil or India, mm-hmm. they have these dedicated like for lack of a better word, I, I don't know what they call them internally, but like uh, the reporting, they call them like war rooms for like different countries, mm. where, you know, the crisis centers where yeah. they constitute yeah, the yeah. issues. Economies aren't uh, like ours probably won't have that. And yeah. we, this will probably be sort of, if 2018 was like a defined by social media, this time around, it's going to be even much, uh, even yeah. more. And there's no preparedness because these companies are not willing to invest and really sort of think deeply about these issues. And um, and our governments are also a little bit deficient, right? So mm-hmm. for example, like in other countries, like I said, the, the product varies according to country to country, mm-hmm. right? And they do have to adapt to like the local laws of the country. So uh, for example, in, in America, if you have like a political campaign, you are like by law required to disclose that this is a politically sponsored or this is this post has been sponsored by the XYZ campaign, right? Yeah, yeah. In Pakistan, we don't have any such protection, yeah. right? And we should, like this should be in the mm-hmm. ECP right but these weren't problems that were exactly anticipated because hmm. this is like we were all living through this age Even for the last, first yeah. time in the last general elections we were monitoring some sort of violence against like women politicians and um something that wasn't part of the research but what we found was that in sort of within ecp's laws you have to with uh, before 24 hours before the polls you have to stop campaigning so you can't okay. do like rallies i think mm. but on social media everybody oh, right. was posting yeah, yeah, and yeah. there were uh, facebook mm. lives there were instagram lives mm. uh a pti was having like sort of a, a campaigning hashtags running and this was part of the recommendations that we also gave the ecp you don't have any monitoring for social, social media, media exactly. Um, yeah. If if you're going to have a code of conduct for everything else, every other form of broadcast media, media, why social yeah, media? Like yeah. it, it, we're sort of few months away from the elections if they happen on time, and there's still nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we yeah. haven't really heard anything. I do wonder though about where regulation will lead us. Like even yeah. when you look at the 2016 US election, there was so much scapegoating about Russia and Russian bots mm-hmm. and how much influence they ha- had over the election. So it, it goes back to the point that you were making that, you know, sometimes it's really overhyped, sometimes it's really underhyped, like we don't really know. Yeah. Um, and also, for me, the question is who regulates, but then it's how do they regulate? Yeah. And it, you know, going into the cultural context and going into how many moderators you have who understand it, but also what should actually be moderated. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was looking at how ISIS recruits and apparently they have like an incredible social media campaign. And apparently they uh, they use Twitter to recruit the same way. They use social media to recruit the same way that Taylor Swift sells her music albums. And I just thought that that was incredible. Like they, they are really using and leveraging this platform. So in what to what extent do you go to to regulate and what do you regulate you know because now donald trump is off twitter um that's actually when i got off twitter (laughs) that's not i got (laughs) but you know when you're just like why elon musk comes back Ah, exactly exactly i I was reading about elon musk as all the other day that the ceo of twitter was like please can you stop tweeting things like is twitter dead (laughs) because it's really not helping yeah yeah exactly but why is Donald Trump not on Twitter? Why is he not allowed? And you know, how are these policies being made? Who's who's involved? And really, it just comes down to 
even when we look at the Russia-Ukraine thing, um, there are a lot of people, there are a lot of countries who have sympathies with Russia, who have sympathies mm -hmm. with Putin. That is not the reflection of the Western consensus about this, Absolutely, right? Yeah. And so when we're looking at how social media posts by Russians are getting interpreted compared to how social media posts by Ukrainians are getting interpreted, I mean, a Ukrainian could then call for death to Putin, mm -hmm. and a Russian couldn't call for death that to too. Zelensky, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's not fair to me. Mm -hmm. So how, like, where's the line? How do we decide the line? And who's looking at how we decide the line as so well? So like, it's interesting because, like you said, like, why do these social media companies get to decide, right? But when we ask for more regulation, what we're also doing is inadvertently, we're telling them, we need you, social media company, to lead us, right? Yeah. You are giving them exactly. more power yes. by being like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. need to be accountable, huh. you need to do more, we need more transparency from you, mm. right? Because now we're kind of in this quasi-abusive situation mm. with these like tech companies where you're like, I hate you and I want to leave you, but it also has to be you. You are the only, you are the yeah. overlord, you are the savior, yeah. you have to do it. Right? But like at the same time, I guess the unavoidable truth of the matter is that these are American companies, right? Like at the end of the day, apart they are TikTok. going to, well, like apart from TikTok, I bet you yeah. could say death to Zelensky on TikTok. Yeah. I'm sure you could say that. Um, yeah. If America wasn't their biggest market. Again, you know, then you have this issue of this, this was trending. Well, it will never trend in America because no one would let it fly, right? Yeah. But also at the same time, if it was, the American government would just ban TikTok. And if TikTok is like, oh no, but our largest consumer market is in the US, then like mm. we can't afford for them to be pissed off at us. Yeah. So we are going to um, you know, put in the safeguards that's going to prevent like we don't care. They have they really don't have very intense like personal moral stakes in mm. these conflicts. They just have like again the bottom line. But like for the largest part I feel like um, they just reflect the cultural, moral, and political attitudes of the U.S. That is yeah. something across the board, like you said, why can't you say, like, what if you do support the Taliban? What if you're an Afghani citizen and who it, says that this is the best thing that happened to my country? And when you look at a non-state actor, it's like for 20 years, that was something which is stigmatized, which is taboo. They're now the state, right? So they're now running the show. You left with your tail between your legs, and now, now what do you control about who says what about the Taliban? Uh, it doesn't seem to make sense, right? And just knowing that you are at a point of history where you don't know in the future who are the good guys yeah. and who are the bad guys, and I feel like the like trying to look at them in a very like Manichaean duality way of like, you know, these people are good, these people are bad, because we don't like Donald Trump, he's bad, and he gets to get deplatformed, regardless of what he's saying. It, yeah, it just seems like this is too much power to be giving but, to big tech but entirely. Time, but at the same time, you have like platforms like Parler, right? So now what it's doing I is, don't know what Parler is. So, uh, so there's like a... a You're the, lucky. <laughs> so after you're gonna be like, I wanna join this if you didn't know. But like basically parlor is where all the cancelled people go. Oh so it's, okay. it's basically a social media which Kanye is buying, by the way. Okay. Kanye wants okay. to buy parlor. So that doesn't tell you all you need to know about okay. what parlor is. But basically this, I love again, that we uh, just to interrupt you, we've discussed both things. <laughs> <and Kanye. laughs> it's fate, I'm telling you, we have joined together. Star cross lovers. But um but but yeah, no, you have again at the end of the day, the, the social media companies just give you this decision. If you don't mm. like our policies, you're a free individual. You don't live on social media. You are not a series of bites and yeah. you know, occurrence that you're like, my life is only on social media. Right, right. If you are an actual individual, if you want yeah. to go into your actual town square and scream that I love yeah. you, you are welcome to do that if your yeah. country loves you, right? Yeah. However, 
if you don't like it on our platform, we are again a private company. So mm. get off our platform if we want it. So um, there is uh, there's this new thing. Uh, it's called a Dolly, which is this yes. artificial intelligent like art generator, which I got to play with a mm. little bit. And I noticed something very interesting about it. And I wondered if this was the future of social media, if this was the only possible way to you know like avoid all this conflict. And that is that on Dolly, uh, the terms and conditions of that particular uh, platform or you know interface is that you cannot put in anything you can't talk about political figures oh you can, any political figures whether it's obama you could you can't write obama and hillary clinton shaking hands that it will flag you oh okay and you have like okay. a two, and they have a three strike policy if you have three strikes of violating their content your your access is removed right mm-hmm. um and this is very powerful technology like you can make any image just from like few verbal suggestions so the abuse potential for this is tremendous Mm. right you could make child pornography violent gratuitous like real you know visceral images Mm. and what they've done is you can't talk about any body parts nothing sexual nothing gory nothing bloody nothing related to any war or conflict and nothing related to any political figures Mm. and or politics you can those are the Right. Of the platform. Right, and right. when yeah. I was using it, I was like, is this the future of social media? Yeah. Is yeah, this where we need to be as a platform? Yeah. Like, like, totally fine, benign. Don't like, talk yes. about huh. no death to, to Zelensky, no death to Putin. Mm-hmm. No, no, yeah. you know, anti Israel, no anti Palestine, mm-hmm. nothing. You just yeah. even just talk about your mother's chickpea recipe. There is no confusion. <laughs> yeah, because you can still sneak it in, yeah, right? Exactly. That's the what thing. You would be able to. Yeah. yeah. So how yeah. do you define what is political? I mean, like, human beings are so inventive. Like, we terrible. Create, we'll find a way to be yeah, terrible. Yeah, we'll create <laughs> ways. I'm so sure. Yeah, and especially in like different cultures, I, I would imagine it would probably fail because what is political in the US context would be very different here. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. But, uh, that would also... But I think... And sort of time, right? Like, for example, like, uh, you know, uh, people give these social media companies a lot of flack for being, like, pro-LGBTQ or whatever, right? But, like, even in the history of the United States, like, 50 years ago, that wouldn't have flown, yeah. right? Facebook or Twitter or whatever would not have allowed for, like, that kind of content to exist on its platforms because yeah. it would have probably violated some yeah. community morality clause or something where, they're like, this violates the morality of our mm. platform. So we don't know in another 10 years like we have all of world history to see that even for example the communists right the communist revolution in china the ccp right they were not formally recognized right the government of taiwan was recognized as the official yeah. chinese government yeah. and slowly that veered away to the ccp yeah. and now they are the authority all the you know western mm. powers in mm. when we say china that's the government that we're talking about yeah so we don't know in like a hundred years and 50 years maybe like no you can talk about the taliban positively because those are the people exactly you interact with yeah, right? yeah. Like, I mean, look at Japan. Hmm. Yeah, they used yeah. to be, you know, like Koreans and the Chinese would never go there. Yeah. I, I think sort of adding on to what Noah was saying, like sort of this question of uh, the, kind, the kind of power that these platforms have. I think a lot of times we, the way that we approach and the regulation that approaches it is like sort of a band-aid on mm. like sort of the larger problem, which is why are they so powerful? Yeah. Which is that their profit model has been allowed to sort of, they've been allowed to consolidate more and more capital. They've been allowed to sort of completely mm. sort of take our data. And a lot of the regulation is not sort of getting at that issue. Mm. It's just trying to sort of either solve the a content moderation issue, transparency issue. But the problem is that these platforms, frankly, need to be broken up. She coming in with that antitrust. She's like, no, but like it's the way that they acquired 
uh, Instagram, even, WhatsApp. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was very like sort of monopolistic practices, but they were allowed to happen because regulation in the US, there was this sort of, at that time, like the, the US government really benefited from the fact mm. that these companies are creating surveillance software that you yes. can use sort of yeah. right after 9-11 for other yeah. things. So Google, totally. for example, yeah. which was very prominent in like sort of like this history of surveillance capitalism, but had contracts with the US State Department mm. uh, using that same kind of technology. Um, the NSA was learning from them. Yeah. Their statements sort yeah. of within the NSA that you know we need to learn from these tech platforms on how to accumulate data. So they were they uh, allowed these companies to do whatever they want, and now they're sort of uh, in a fix. Of what are we supposed yeah, to do? And they yeah. have so much money now that they're like yeah, even if you that they can't do anything. Cut yeah. them off, like they yeah. have a lot of resources to have like a complete independence. Yeah. Like for example, between sort of even the Obama administration, so we fought like sort of the Bush sort of time as like this sort of uh, with the rise of surveillance and surveillance capitalism. But even within the Obama administration, there was a revolving door of like people from Google, yeah. from Facebook, yeah. were advisors very close to the administration. So it, it, ultimately, when you know the, the reckoning happened and like Mark Zuckerberg had to go, that was also sort of a show and a performance mm. where they just sort of humiliate him. But there's Facebook still exists. Nobody's yeah. guessed with its yeah. profit model. So I think there needs to be sort of that kind of you need to wire if these companies will remain powerful mm. if we don't get at that issue. And yeah. if we keep sort of if we keep saying about ye extra things be karne. disinformation was not a problem now. Mm. Define disinformation yourself. Yeah. Uh, and these companies, the way that they operate, like they'll do like a short consultation, and you know they'll get like cultural experts from across the world, and you know, and but they there's no obligation on them to do uh, yeah uh, to listen to these people. And obviously, as we were saying, like sort of this is such a nuanced problem. You can't mm. have a one size fits all issue. Or, and these companies don't want to sort of uh, give away power. Uh, uh, to other people or sort of have more a uh, sort of uh, uh, and the problem is if they have more localized sort of for example if there's a localized Facebook that would ultimately be controlled by the state so then mm-hmm. we're back to the same yeah yeah I get so what you mean there's this tussle going on and I don't know where <laughs> yeah. also like they're again like uh, these companies have also benefit of the, from the fact that uh, lawmakers have no idea what technology mm. is like lawmakers are so old they're so yeah. outdated what with the facts we page of these systems go like they're really huh. struggling so like um facebook well meta is sued for like their acquisition uh, of instagram and whatsapp mm. and department of justice no ke khilaf case kiya tha pura and that's so ongoing i believe they haven't come up with like a decision mm. on that but if that it would be an historical decision if uh, the Department of Justice like wins that yeah. case. Yeah, and, and we saw that when Zuckerberg was being questioned by the Senate, like they didn't they know how no to. Idea. Yeah, they didn't know but how to question him. But also at the same time, like these companies are benefiting of the, uh, from the fact that they like people don't know what these products are. So yeah. what they say is that we did not violate any like and mm. like we have not participated, uh, indulged in any anti-competitive practices because every single app that we own is different. 
right? right so right. as long as we're not like you know buying out the competition so how would you mm. define the competition as a social media mm. or is it like no but facebook is like a you know a community app and instagram is a picture app and whatsapp oh, okay. is a messaging app so there are three mm. different products right mm. how do you define that before now we've never had to think about this the yeah. law this yeah. is a loophole in the law like the law has never had to accommodate mm. a product that can simultaneously be defined as one thing obviously or as three different things mm. and that's like the fight going on right now yeah so, yeah very interesting on, yeah ongoing, like, yeah and, and these people have the money to litigate endlessly yes of course and even yeah. in pakistan like sort of the pakistani state has fundamentally misunderstood like sort of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where, for example the section 37 of pika gives like unfettered powers to uh the state to block content so that's okay. why we had that circus of Uh, TikTok, TikTok being banned mm-hmm. four times within the span of one year, year one and a half year, which is mm-hmm. ridiculous if you yeah, think about it. Yeah. And now it's back and it's like sponsoring PSL, so I guess that's <laughs> never go away. Uh, but <laughs> the other problem is that also sort of the solution that a lot of states, like for example, India and Pakistan, have like similar sort of uh, uh, regulation now, where uh, the uh, they now who. Uh, are asking these companies to relocate their offices within the country so they oh, can okay. be bound by the laws of the country and companies have resisted ah. this so far because mm-hmm. uh, what happened in india with twitter was during the covid wave which is really sort of deadly and obviously there are a lot of people who are expressing mm-hmm. uh, outrage against the modi government and the, i think the indian government sent in some content for uh, twitter to remove and they refused to remove it because it was legitimate criticism of the government right. they okay. ended up actually raiding twitter's offices oh. and sort of also trying to hold uh, individuals criminally liable so mm. employees criminally liable for uh, oh, wow. what twitter was okay. doing and that is exactly the kind of regulation under the social media rules that pakistan has brought in yeah. and so far it's being challenged at the sort of islamabad high court is sort of where a lot of these uh, laws are being challenged but that's the kind of like sort of where that's why we always say like you're sort of stuck in like a rock okay, and a hard yeah, place like yeah. either it's these companies or yeah. it's the state completely misunderstanding what social media is yeah. and they're not defining there if they if the regulation was to narrowly define for example child pornography or uh, Uh, hate speech which is very very narrowly sort of incitement to violence for example those could be sort of where the line is drawn and everything else then can be you know have specific uh, legislation it doesn't have to be criminalized it can there be there can be other ways to uh, accommodate it maybe you can have uh, with these companies a shared panel or some sort of yeah. shared body where you can give advice to the companies the government mm. could invest that kind of resources with civil society sort of involved you could have a co-regulatory mechanism that doesn't criminalize speech because the problem with speech is that if you sort of take the blunt instrument of criminal Completely. law yeah. it's going yeah. to then yeah. that we see what happened with pika with mm. sort of section 20 was used to arrest and still is being used mm. to arrest journalists yeah. after people yeah. and especially in a country like pakistan because that becomes a bigger issue so i think we need to think creatively but jab whenever our lawmakers think of social media they're like ya to isko band karo kisi ko ya hum mein full power hona chahiye ha sab kuch dekhiye um I think that that's a good point to end on. Let's break up big tech. Let's share <laughs> responsibility over what happens on there. Everyone get off social media. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode and I hope you join us for future ones as well. Thank you.